We're switching up the rotation at Garrett Land and Cattle from corn to soybeans to corn to cattle. That's right. No soybeans going in the rotation. That's what we're talking about in this edition of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where real farmers share real insights and real results to help you improve your farming operation. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Kloss, where machines aren't just made, they're made for more. With a wide range of tractors, combines, foragers, and hay tools, Kloss is a family business just as driven, demanding, and dedicated as yours. Go to Kloss.com and start cutting your curve with their cutting edge equipment. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. Got an interesting message this week from uh, Mr. Kelly Garrett, one of the Extreme Ag founders. He said, I've been talking about this with uh, Creed, which is one of his financial consultants on the farming operation and uh, making decisions. And Vern, his son, otherwise known as Connor Garrett, and said, you know what? We're going to not do the corn and soybean rotation. We're going to do corn to cattle. We're going to put in cover crops. We're going to we're going to stick cows in there because it looks to me like we're going to lose money if we put in soybeans. I said, that's really interesting. You're in Iowa. There's one thing that we know about the I-States. They grow two things, corn and then soybeans. Sometimes they just grow corn and then corn. What they generally don't do is go corn to cover crops with cattle. Lots of cut noises right there, but if you've ever been trained in comedy, cut is always a humorous thing, so I know you like that. Anyway, Kelly, would you please answer me, or Vern, let's start off with you. Um, is this going to work? And secondly, before we go to that one, answer the second one first, are we surely to God we're not doing this on all the acres? This is just an experiment, right? You're going to do this like on 40 acres to see if it works. You're not going to, you're not, going to not produce soybeans because no self-respecting Iowa farmer would do that. Uh, it's experimental for this year. We, we feel good about it. We've got numbers behind it, but yeah, you can't make that jump all in one year. But when, I mean, when we're looking at it, we lost so money on soybeans last year and we've still got some soybeans planned for next year, but the way it's forecasted, there's, we're not going to make money again. And we don't want to go to all 100% corn on corn because of agronom agronomic reasons. We don't want to just totally commit to that. We want to keep some diversity in there. And I said, why don't we look at other options, cover crops and cattle? How can we change that into the rotation to increase profitability and keep that diversity program that we want to want in the, in the rotation? All right. So here's the thing. Uh, the traditional answer would have been, I would just go ahead. I'm in Iowa. We grow corn here. We'll go corn on corn on corn. Uh, Vern says agronomically, that's a challenge. It's not always, it's not a challenge. It's just that it's been overdone and sometimes it presents some uh, parasite issues, disease issues, whatever, whatever, fertility. Um, are we going away, Kelly? Are we going to do no soybeans at all across the entire farming operation? No, you know, this year we had talked about being about 65, 35%, 65% corn, 35% beans. And then with the bean yield we experienced last year, our, our beans overall last year, Damien, made about 54 bushel. Some of that was drought. Some of that was variety. And some of it was hail. But it was a $300 an acre loser. And then when we looked at the profitability of corn, which was quite good, we ended up changing from 65-35 to about 80-20. 80% corn, 20% beans. That was, going to be the plan. that was going to be the plan coming into 2024. We're recording this right now at the end of the yep. year 2023. Your intention until like within the last week, your intention was 80% corn in 2024. Crop mix is going to be 80% corn, 20% soy. 
uh, and and then whatever the balance, no no balance, no wheat, no. Well, you know, there's a, you know there's a couple hundred acres of winter wheat in there, but essentially it's you know it's eighty it's seventy eight percent corn, eighteen uh, percent beans, and four percent wheat probably. You know, and the wheat's going to stay, but and we did that because of of the soybean the soybean problem, if you will, the soybean income problem. And then when I took Connor and Kale down to Creed, you know, I, I will tell you, I wouldn't be as confident or optimistic of this plan of these numbers if it wasn't, you know, I'm not trying to advertise, but for JC Marketing Services, everything that goes through our bank account is accounted for. And I'm so confident of these numbers yeah. that it's easy, it's easier to make, you know, like you're, you're viewing this as a, a difficult switch to make because it's so outside the box and it is, but I'm so confident of these numbers, it makes it a lot easier. It takes the emotion out of it. Vern, uh, you don't have as many uh, years of entrenchment. By the time you get to be your old man's age, you're, you're supposed to be pretty entrenched. That you're, you're supposed to grow corn and then soy and then corn and then soy unless you continue as corn. Was this your idea or his idea? Who? Okay, you went down, you talked about the numbers. Then who came up with this uh, idea? It was you, wasn't it? Yeah, I threw it out there. And you said we should just plant cover crops. And before I hit the record button, I said, that's a neat idea for the soil and the wildlife and all that, but it don't make you any money. And you said. We're not losing. Yeah. If we're going to lose money on soybeans as a soil health program, why don't we just lose money on cover crops as a soil health program? Why don't we lose less? And when you throw the cattle in there, we're going to lose less. That's that's yes. the idea. Are you going to lose money? Because I don't like losing money. Are you going to lose money? So right now, the person that's a skeptic is listening to this saying, well, uh, what, what, do you have any other alternative other than to lose money? On soybeans, I'm skeptical if we do. You know, like, So in 2023, we raised 54 bushel beans, and with the overall price, we we received and i feel that we did a very you know i feel that jc marketing did a good job on the marketing we lost 300 dollars an acre i would tell you right now i would expect to lose a hundred dollars an acre on beans in 24 mm -hmm. i would also tell you that over the last couple of years we've made about 300 dollars per cow now the land cost is significantly less on the pasture on the pasture ground that goes into that 300 dollars figure than what we're talking about on this cropland and it's about 120 to 150 dollar difference per acre so mm -hmm. when we're talking about 300 dollars a cow but the land is 150 dollars more expensive i'm expecting i'm expecting to make 150 dollars per acre on the cow program versus penciling in a hundred dollar loss on beans now beans might take off and they might go higher and things like that but i gotta tell you hope is a terrible marketing program yeah, um, the, way, the way that the, you know, today we sit here and the November 24 bean contract on the, on the board of trade is 1265. It'll take 72 bushel beans, yeah, 72 bushel beans to break even. Our cost to put in beans is going to be about 920 bucks. Yeah. And, and we, this, you know, we, we talk about expanding the cow herd anyway. And we talk about, you know, that's what Extreme Ag is about is improving the ROI. This is an outside the box way to improve the ROI. Uh, you know, like Damien off off camera before we came on here, you said, well, you need to defend the idea that it costs you to put in the cover crops, too. And you're right. What I have thought of now this first year on these 40 acres, we're going to have to seed something this spring to get it started. 
But provided that we decide to go forward with this next fall, in the fall of 24, we'll combine, a, we'll combine some corn. And rather than going back to beans, we'll put the cover crop in behind corn. We'll put in some perennials and that seed will be there. And we're already in a cover crop program. So we'll put in some perennials behind that corn. And then in the summer of 25, if we decide that field is going to go fallow to, for cattle, there is no seeding expense because it's the cover crop from last fall. Okay, so back to the original question. Vern, how many acres are we going to do this on? What do we have planned on? 40. About 40 right now. 40. All right. So this is this is definitely an experiment now. On the other acres, are we going corn on corn? On the or the other 18% of the acres, are we going to go... Why not go bigger? If we're this convinced of it, why not do 400 versus 40? Uh, because we don't know... Uh, we don't know how many extra cows we want to keep and we're, we're dipping our toe in it and it's got to be the right farm. It's got to have decent fence. It's got to have decent water, you know, and, and this is, this is just kind of the way it works out this year, really. You know, I mean, cause this, this is also going to take a cow herd expansion to do this, things like that. So we're going to keep around 40 or 50 extra cows to do this. Yep. And I mean, if we go 400, the idea of keeping 400 extra cows around, I, I don't know that we should just snap our fingers and make that happen. <laughs> it becomes a little bit more management. It's not like just right. a, it, it's it, you get some. All right. So we're talking about a pretty small experiment, frankly, on the number of acres and the number of cows and everything you have. Um, what's your, your projection on this, Vern? By the way, Vern, I got to tell you, uh, you have so much. You remind me of that Brady Bunch episode when the light on the camera turned red and then Peter Gregory got very, very nervous. You've got so many numbers. Would you just stop looking at the red light on the camera and stop being Peter Brady? Um, these numbers, these numbers work for the long term. If soybeans stay where they are, if 2024 is actually where we're going to sit, which it might be commodity price wise, is this going to be the scalable um, alternative? Yes, could be. We need more data. It's an experiment this year. What about then the question of uh, you're not going to be planting this stuff now? Because here we are recording this almost New Year's. You're, you're planting this stuff like in April. You're going to go out there and plant this stuff. So these acres don't do anything for you in the meantime, but you're going to make your, just, just like a traditional crop, you're going to get the stuff established and then you're going to put cows out there in May after it's got six weeks of growth on it or June or whenever, this is all, this is all really happening come spring. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, you know, this is a plan we just have come up with in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm happy about it because, uh, you know, losing money on beans at 23 and then looking at 24, knowing that there's a potential, knowing that there's a big chance of a potential loss coming. That's not very exciting, you know, and, and here we are with a plan to do something that's profitable. Uh, Connor and Kale talk about the desire to increase the cow herd anyway. Here's a way to increase the cow herd without, without it taking on more land expense. Are you going to increase the cow herd by buying 40 cows between now and May 15th? Or are you going to just keep uh, 40 might be calls back? We'll probably keep 40 calls back. It'd be a comp, you know. We have extra cows now anyway because we'll buy them to run them on the stalks and then we will we'll pare down or cull down to the, the manageable number for the grass acres we have. We just will cull a little bit less. 
when you get to Vern, I got you gotta answer this question. When you get to uh July and it turns drier, I was there in June, it was dry, 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 terrible dry. Uh you're gonna say, okay, this isn't working because we got too many cows for the amount of growth out here. We're gonna have to get rid of 20 of these. Is that what's gonna happen? You know, that could happen. Um we're we're gonna have to see how it goes, but I'm pretty confident. What we're looking at is doing a really diverse cover crop mix here. We want to have some grass crops to put that put the extra carbon out there, but then we also want to look into a legume, maybe red clover or something for a little more nitrogen. And I, I think we're looking at six to eight species at least in this mix. And I'm pretty confident with that diversity that we'll hold a lot more water on that acre. And we won't see quite as much, we won't, we won't beat the grass down like we will just a standard brome pasture. I think with this diversity, we're going to have a lot better growth. And as we're going to mob graze it is the idea, uh, really heavy rotation that we're going to have nice, decent um, recovery in that grass. So Gabe Brown wrote the book, Dirt to Soil. You read it, so did I. And he talks a lot about the way this works is you, you, you absolutely do mob graze it. So you're going to be moving. Are you going to take 40 cows and go out there with electric wire and move them on two acre paddocks uh, every day? We're probably Five not going to get paddocks. Yeah. We're not going to get that scaled down with it, but we're going to have to see what's going to work best for our operation, what we can manage and how, how all the paddocks will work out on this piece. So you guys, Kelly, are intensive managers of cropland, and obviously it pays off. Some people are not as intensive, and and they're fine. They have less expenditure. They have less upside, et cetera, et cetera. You're not quite intensive managers of the beef. If this is going to work, if you're going to be taking Iowa $15,000 an acre farm ground and putting it into cover crops and cattle, I would think that you would need to be as intensively managed on the beef side as you are on the corn side and and to say the least am i right yes absolutely and you know gabe brown is something that you and i and connor have all talked about you know off camera uh mr brown has a, a couple of youtube videos or more than a couple out i watched one this morning and uh, you you know when you made me smile when you referenced what if it gets hot in july he has suggestions, and it, it depends upon your your latitude, but he has suggestions for cool season mix, uh, cover crop mixes, warm season mixes, and, uh, you know, with dealing with Austin Tiefenthaler, who you and I have recorded with before, uh, you know, when I talked with Austin this morning after watching this podcast and texting him when I was excited, Austin thinks that end of March, beginning of April, we need to put in the cool season mix. And then when we get to the end of the May, we need to re-drill in the same pasture, in the same land, the warm season mix. And, you know, and that's following Mr. Brown's, uh, you know, kind of plan of action. And something I found very interesting in watching Mr. Brown this morning, he said the amount of rain you receive is irrelevant. If you manage the grass, manage the land correctly with the livestock, the amount of rain you receive is irrelevant. And he said, I promise you're receiving enough. The problem you have is you can't store enough and that's on you, not Mother Nature. Okay, so now, the point is, point is like, Vern, you're talking about a seven-way mix. Gabe in his book talks about you get exponential. It's like one one kind of one species of cover crop is good for the ground versus fall tillage uh, versus no cover crop. 
two have a synergistic effect. A legume, like you talked about, an alcite clover, I think you said, or a red clover and a, a ryegrass, let's say. And then you start talking about a, a hairy vetch, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Sorghum Sudan grass and the brassicate. Yes, and list goes on and on. You're right. You're right. So, so the point is, this is more than just a profitability experiment on one year because of the soybean thing, Vern. This is this is you starting to insinuate yourself into soil decisions around Garrett land and cattle. Is it safe to say that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the The beef is there to en enhance the profitability of the rotation, but really we've been looking at cover crops for the last several years. We've been using them, and this is kind of expanding the program. It's making it bigger. It's expanding that diversity. It's it's doing all the things we love cover crops for all season long. So the seven way or eight way mix you're talking about, you can do stuff. You could do a a planting in June or in March, and then that stuff is what you put the cattle on, say by May first, and then you can graze the hell out of that, and then change up the planting. You could move the cows, put in something, and then have you could have three different cover crops between now and. Uh, the snow flying next winter. Am I right? Correct. Same group of cows, three different cover crops on that. So it's intensive manage of that field. Uh, what about then the optimism about what you think the soil does? So this is the experiment on the soil, not just the economics. What do you what do you want to see happen? As, with that diverse mix. And those cows, I mean, they're going to trample some of that in. They're going to apply manure to that field. We're going to see nutrient input into that field. And I think soil health will improve by every metric. Um, we should have more organic material. We should have better water infiltration, better water holding capacity. By enhancing that plant diversity, we're going to enhance the microbial diversity, which is going to enhance rates of nutrient mineralization, nutrient storage, and all factors and uh i'm pretty excited to see what exactly happens but i but we'll have to see what happens got it all right so uh the person that's contemplating this that most people are going to be skeptical of this would work and then there's other people say well that's fine he's already set up with cows i don't have cows should somebody go out and buy cows and try this um yeah i, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all you know i i mean or you know running some stalkers or feeders or something like that you know to try to improve plant health i don't know i mean it would see what Vern thinks but i believe the corn will be better next year following this than they will following soybeans that's well, part of the reason to do it not to go continuous corn next year's corn will be even better because of this mr brown yeah, talks about water holding capacity of six to eight times more than in just a monocropping system yeah. So all of a sudden, if we if we go this region idea here is that you're actually it's you're you're building the bank. You're you're making the investment that the bank account and it's the accrual of interest over time. And this being soil health, so you could if you got five percent more corn off of this in 2025, that offsets that offsets the lack of revenue on this year. I mean, that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. 5% more corn for I mean, that's $46 an acre right there. Yeah. And 200 bushel corn, 10 bushel times 460. All right. Um, 
the person that you're recommending you say do this uh is there anything i haven't thought about that when i when i go through this uh from this experimental crop rotation change that you are already considering that i haven't asked you Vern, what do you got um you know i read one study that uh a thousand pound animal be it a cow or a steer or whatever ran a ran for a day will produce a quarter pound of nitrogen, 0.15 pounds of phosphorus, and a half a pound of potassium. Um, so if we can mob graze it thickly enough, you know, we're going to have that, those 40 extra cows there running those all over that acre in that day. I mean, you're talking about a serious amount of fertility that can be applied if you, we can get them thick enough. And I, I'm interested in that factor as well. Bern, I always wonder, if I hadn't asked that question, were you going to just let that piece of data that's probably <laughs> critical to this entire episode not be shared? Because that's the kind of thing that actually a person listening to this might say, holy crap, now it's starting to make more sense to me. It's not just the porosity, the soil amendments, the, the soil enhancement, if you will. It's not just the potential for more corn next year. Those are numbers that you just had, Rain Man style, again, were what? Quarter pound of nitrogen, 0.15 pounds phosphorus, and a half a pound of potassium, about roughly. And that's daily? Yeah, daily. Manure daily. Yeah. And and it's not and, and so that that's obviously coming off from the green growth. So is that stuff is that soil enhancement that was already there and I'm just recycling it? In other words, in other words, did we is that new or is that just we're keeping it there? Cap, okay. more available. This is one of the things that, you know, talk about sustainability. Cattle do not create or destroy carbon. They just mm -hmm. speed up the process. Mm -hmm. So that what, what he's talking about is coming through the back end of the cow and it's ready to go back to work for next year's crop. And you also have the gain on the cow. You, yeah. That calf or that cow has already extracted its feed and that fertility is going back in the soil and it's the nutrient availab availability of it is second to none. Cool. All right. I think we about got this. Kelly, is there anything else on this? Uh, it's a, it's, it's an experiment. It's a cool idea. If soybeans stay where they are and there's speculation that we're going to be in a, and maybe we might be moving into a break-even agricultural environment, I think, and that's where like Gabe's book, he talks about, hell, he, he went broke for four years. Couldn't get, couldn't get, he, he, he couldn't get any money loaned to him. So he starts getting pretty experimental. If we have, a situation where we're plodding around treading water, this might be an opportunity because you can obviously sell the beef, um, but this isn't unique to you. Just because you have your own direct-to-consumer beef, no. the person that doesn't have a direct-to-consumer beef can still make money on cows. No, you know, we very much are are looking at, at what Mr. Brown has done, and we're, we, we want to expand our cow herd. We're looking at what Mr. Brown has done. We're looking to increase the profitability of the farm. You know, uh, Again, Austin, when we visited about this this morning, Austin talked about a man in South Dakota that's running a million pounds of beef per acre because mm -hmm. of his intensive management, which is, you know, the way the way that we run our corn acres, the way that we run our bean acres are very intensively managed versus, shall we say, the average grower. And now our, our, we're talking about our pasture, our, our, our cow acres, and the price of land is a driving force behind this. You know, you referenced $15,000 land. The way that we manage our grass needs to catch up to the way we manage our corn. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. And the hell of it is, um, I think that the person's going to say, well, I don't know how this works on Iowa type farm ground. I can see this working in, uh, you know, the rockier parts of the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains or something, but I don't see how it works there. But the hell of it is, you're not taking just rough pasture ground, you're taking farm ground that would grow 60 bushel beans and making it cow ground. Yes, I mean, whoever would have thought that you would be saying that, and and I know that there's going to be some people raise their eyebrows, but I assure you that if we we talk about approaching a million pounds of beef per acre, you can make that profitable on fifteen thousand dollar ground. I I apologize for being ill prepared. I don't have that don't have that quantified, but I'm pretty confident that that'll work. Yeah, well, I don't know if you're going to. We'll know more after we get through a season on this. We'll talk about it then. What yes. do you think, Vern? What do you think, Vern? You know, integrating livestock into your operation can enhance your enhance your cropping operation. And we're just trying to take that to the extreme as making it part of the rotation and see what we can accomplish. Yeah. It's profitability driven and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, and I, You can make the argument that the asset improvement also. You can make the yep. argument that the asset gets improved and in the time to improve it, if, if you were going to... If this is going to cause you to go broke, yeah, I got really good soil, but also went broke. But actually, this is preservation from going broke because you decided the soybean numbers don't work. 100%. What else you got, Kelly? You know, it, it. this is a great experiment. This is what Extreme Mag is all about. How many times have you heard me say I'm on two different roads, the sustainable road and the high yield road, and they're converging? Tell me this isn't the very definition of that. It is indeed that, and you'll catch more on that discussion. We always talked about how the high yield and sustainability do not have to be divergent. They can be convergent, and that's exactly what we're talking about. They're all going down the same path together. His name's Kelly Garrett. He's with his son, Connor, sometimes known as Vern Garrett, and uh, one of the most knowledgeable people in all of Crawford County, Iowa, if you can just get him to share what he has up in his noggin. Changing the rotation from corn to soybeans to corn to cows um, we'll stay tuned on this discussion because there's going to be other people having to make some hard decisions about this when we're moving into a 2024 with some depressed commodity prices. And there's going to be some hard decisions. It might be a little bit of outside the box thinking. And this is exactly what we're talking about right here. We do this all the time. Hundreds of cutting the curve episodes, also hundreds of videos these guys have shot. Go check it out. It's all free, extremeag.farm. If you want to take your farming game to the next level, why don't you become a member? $750 a year gets you a membership. You get exclusive uh, content. You also get uh, access to the Extreme Ag guys on a question and answer platform. You get offers. Like you can go to Commodity Classic for free, and you also get the data at the end of the year. For $750 a year, it's a small investment to make for huge returns on your farming operation. Thanks for being here till next time. That's the Garrett Boys in uh, Crawford County, Iowa. I'm Damian Mason. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve. Make sure to check out ExtremeAg.Farm for more great content to help you squeeze more profit out of your farming operation. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Kloss, where machines aren't just made, they're made for more. Visit kloss.com and start cutting your curve with cutting edge equipment.